the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Not only do I get to talk today with Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio, but I think if my schedule doesn't uh, blow up on me today, I'm going to get to see Matt tonight speaking to the Dublin Republican Club at the Dublin Rec Center. And that starts at 630. Uh, Maybe you'll come out and join us both as I'd like to uh, hear Matt as he talks about his exploratory run for governor. Details on that at his website, ohiomat.com. You can also, of course, follow his work at Opportunity Ohio at opportunityohio.org and follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. So, Matt, speaking of running for office, Joe Biden, big video announcement, but no more than three seconds of Joe Biden on the video talking at a time, which didn't do much to assuage questions about his age and whether or not he can serve a second term. It's a real question. I mean, he is he's going to be really old by the time <laughs> we get to November 2024. He's already right? really old. More years. That guy ages is aging quickly, right? You and I both know vice presidential picks rarely ever matter. It will matter in this one because what voters are going to have to decide in November 2024 is, God forbid, if Joe Biden gets severely you know, injured, uh, ill, or dies in office, and then we are stuck with Kamala Harris, which she has worse approval ratings than virtually any politician. She clearly is incompetent. She has no idea what she's doing. She's very left-wing progressive. And so in a, in a lot of ways, right, this age question isn't just going to be, can he answer it that he's able to serve? But what happens if he's not? Do, is his vice, president, vice presidential pick the kind of person we want as president in this country at this time? Yeah, I mean, Kamala Harris is actually worse than Trump when it comes to <laughs> approval rating. People always say that'll be how Democrats will campaign against whoever the Republicans run if it's not Trump, is that like, he'd be worse than Trump, and DeSantis is easy to make that argument. But Kamala really is worse than Trump when it comes to approval ratings. And even David Axelrod, who was one of Obama's top henchmen, said that, you know, people are going to want to know who's next, and they're not running from her. They seem to want her on the ticket. Look, there is no there there. I mean, she, you know, she is clearly kind of Peter principled out here, right? Yep. She she has risen far beyond what she was ever capable of. I mean, you got to remember, despite having two Stanford professor parents, she went to Hastings Law School, one of the worst law schools in America. She got in only on an affirmative action policy. She was put in a program that, that was like a slow roll program, and then she still failed the California bar. So, like, we're talking about somebody who just intellectually just isn't really up to snuff and to stick her in the presidency that's going to be very scary for a lot of people yeah it is matt mayer is our guest opportunityohio.org on twitter at ohio matt his exploratory run for governor he details his positions on the issues at ohiomatt.com okay tonight in dublin another one of your appearances out there and i'm looking forward to seeing you there and i would imagine you're going to get questions there about tucker carlson and what you think might be next for Tucker Carlson. His video that he put last night on Twitter has 23 million views already. That's a lot of numbers for one three-minute Twitter video from Tucker. Yeah, I mean, what a catastrophically dumb decision by Fox, right? Is They just summarily got rid of Tucker, who was you know, not even close, but the number one by leaps and bounds guy on TV. 
And so, you know, he's going to have options. And I love that video that he came out with because it's just a great classic Tucker. And, you know, look, I'll be honest, 20 years ago, I couldn't stand Tucker. He came across way too much as an inside D.C. guy, right, privileged kid, that kind of you know, snarky, snarky attitude. But but this version that he has, he's matured as a person, he really has his fingers on the kind of pulse of America in many ways. And so, like, he's going to do some great things, and it's going to be all to the detriment of Fox. I agree with you on that, and I think the greatest growth or the greatest testament I can give to a person's growth is their ability to continually evaluate new information and admit that they've changed their position on issues, that they're not a hopeless partisan ingrained in their positions. And he has changed his position on some things, and I, too, was slow to come around to him. And I still think sometimes he's off the reservation, a little bit too tinfoil hat for me on some things, but I think his voice is very, very important. And on the other side, Matt, it's scary, scary. And I don't think people even know how scary it is to hear AOC talk about how, yes, see, deplatforming works. Like the people who always talk about the Republicans being the fascists are the ones who exult when someone is, however briefly, deplatformed. Yeah, look, I actually talk about this typically uh, when I give these speeches, which, you know, I've been given so many of them across Ohio, which has been a blast. One of the things I talk about is, you know, I never can figure out what the left means by saying the right that are fascist, right? Because fascists, along with their brethren, the communists and the socialists, they all are about centralized power, right? Controlling power by a, a group of elites. And I sit here and think, my God, I don't know Republic. I don't know any Republicans that want centralized power. All we ever want is get power out of Washington, i.e., where it's centralized, and let's get it back into the hands of governors, state legislatures, county commissioners, school boards, like close to the people, right? In in a very decentralized fashion, that ain't fascism. So it's people like AOC, right, that are really driving to control everything that we do from the moment we wake up to the moment we close our eyes, and frankly, even when we're sleeping, she wants to control what's going on in our world, right? So that, that the idea that the right are fascist or socialist or communist or whatever, totalitarian, the totalitarian umbrella is the umbrella of the left, and they just want to rain down on the rest of us across the country every day. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org. Follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. He speaks tonight at the Dublin Republican Club at the Dublin Rec Center at 6.30 p.m. I hope to see you there. It is essential to get the presidency away from the Democrats, this ridiculous rule about if you better your credit score, the higher fees you pay. And it's basically like executive branch sanctioned socialism going into effect today. I'll vote for Trump. I don't think he's the Republican's strongest candidate. In fact, I think he's the Republican's weakest candidate. And I have changed my opinion on who I think the strongest candidate is. And I used to think it was DeSantis because of his legislative record. But I now think, Matt, Tim Scott's the strongest candidate simply because the most important part of an election is to win it. Because what would the Democrats' platform or case be against Tim Scott? Well, look, I mean, they're going to say that Tim Scott is extreme, right? That, oh, he's he's far right. He's a puppet of the of the Republican far right. He's a he's the kind of guy that, you know, really, what has he ever done? Has he ever got anything done? Right. They're going to forget that they stopped his criminal justice reform. Right. Because they didn't want him to get a victory. So they're going to talk about how what's his record? What has he actually gotten done? Right. This guy's an extreme guy, you know, never married, no kids. Like, you know, does that really represent kind of America today? So they're going to kind of do those type of really nitnoity things. But look, he's a strong candidate. He's a happy warrior in the Reagan-esque model. And, you know, so we'll, we'll see if that happens. I mean, I think it's going to be tough for him to rise. I mean, as I, as I say to people, look, Trump takes about 95% of the oxygen in the room. Yep. DeSantis taking the other 5%. There really is no more oxygen for any other candidate. That's why you see, like, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, despite spending tons of money, despite spending 
getting lots of airtime, they don't get above three three percent in the polls because it is either Trump or DeSantis, and and that's where the oxygen is. And I don't see that changing. In, in, but look, I would love to see Tim Scott on on a ticket because I think Tim Scott is a very strong vice presidential candidate. He would make it a very good strong ticket, and I think it'd be very hard for Democrats to come at him because the, the, you know other than what I've run over, there's really not much you could hit him for. He's a really good guy, has done really good things in his community. And like, you know, it, it, it does the type of stuff that most people would look at and say, hey, that guy's like me. I love that. Well, here's why I say he has to be the president on the ticket, not the VP, because if he's the VP, it's much easier for Democrats to portray him as the token. If he's the president, they obviously cannot do that. They have to have a big portion of the black vote the Democrats do to win. Tim Scott, I think, wins Georgia. Tim Scott gives us a chance to win Wisconsin because I think he would poll well in some of the inner cities. I think he gives us a chance to win Pennsylvania because I think he might turn heads in Philadelphia. That's why I think it's uh, smarter to put him at the top of the ticket than uh, in the second position on the ticket. If you look back to 2016, Trump won the nomination because he stood out from all the other candidates on the debate stage. Really, Ron DeSantis is like Trump without the horrible Twitter. But Scott is so different. From Trump and DeSantis that I just kind of wonder if there might be a way for him to stake out a lane to rise, even though it's got to be a pretty phenomenal rise because he's got a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, look, we know to your point, right? Yes, the Democratic Party absolutely needs to get somewhere in the 90 to 92 percent of the black vote in order to win elections nationally. If they don't get that, they cannot win the mass because they're losing the rest of the votes other than essentially wealthy, white, highly educated liberals, right? And so, you know, here's the problem, right? Over the last 2016, 2020, the Republican Party has gotten an increasing share of black male votes. I think it was around 20 percent in 2020, right? The the vote that's not moving is black women. They they are not moving. They're at like 98 percent Democrat. And and so that's the real nut we have to figure out how to crack is to start getting black women to give our party a look, our agenda a look to say, you know, come on, you know, what are they really doing for you on the left, yeah. right? And, and, and look what we can do here. Look what we stand for. And so, yeah, I think Tim Scott would obviously put those folks in play in a way that nobody else can. Uh, but, but again, you, you go to the August the debate that's going to be the Republican debate. What's the threshold to get in? It should be 5% or more. And right now there's only two people with 5%. Yeah. So how do you get Tim Scott on that stage? So that he can have the opportunity to shine, right? How does, because other, if he doesn't get on that stage with Trump, he's never going to get a lane. I mean, nobody is. If they, you know, and that's that's where I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they decide who gets into that first debate, because that's going to really be the telling moment of does it, can anybody knock him down on TV live in a way that creates a new opportunity or a new dynamic paradigm in the in the race, and, and that's going to be the big issue, right? Yep. Absolutely right. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, on Twitter, at OhioMatt. His website for an exploratory run for governor is OhioMatt.com, and he'll be at the Dublin Rec Center tonight speaking to the Dublin Republican Club at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. And, Matt, thanks, as always, for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So I've been pondering what Matt Mayer said during our segment about Kamala Harris being a uh, an anchor. Uh, around Joe Biden's leg. And as much as I wish that it were true, I pledge to tell you uh, always what I know is true or believe to be true. And I do not believe Kamala Harris will be an anchor around Joe Biden's ankle. 
Because if you're willing to vote for an addled, brainwaveless, dementia-suffering president, you've already demonstrated to me that the ability to do the job does not exactly rank on your top 25 characteristics in who you will vote for. If you have no problem putting the security of the United States in the hands of someone who most likely wouldn't even be woken up from his slumber if there were some explosive situation that occurred around the world in the middle of the night, then you're not going to stop at voting for him because, oh, man, if anything happens to this dude, Kamala becomes the president. It was interesting, though, how many times she appeared in the Joe Biden video haltingly announcing his run for re-election. David Axelrod, as I said, was one of Barack Obama's henchmen. And David Axelrod uh, is um, mm, (laughs) uh, allied to the uh, intersectionality bonds of the Democratic Party, saying that, uh, no, no, they're, they're really happy with Kamala, and she'll have a big role going forward. Kamala Harris is going to have a prominent place in this campaign because of his age, there must be a recognition in his campaign and in the White House that they need to strengthen her as a, a, as a, uh, a, pl- a player in all of this. She wasn't a major player in the first two years of the administration. I think there's a real focus on trying to lift her up here because people are going to ask, like, who's your backup? Uh, she wasn't a major player in the first two years of the administration. Well... What was one of the major issues in the first two years of the administration that remains a major issue? The border, right? Who did Joe Biden put in charge of the border? Oh, he put Kamala in charge of the border. Remember her infamous stumbling, bumbling gaffe with Lester Holt? I've been to the border. No, you haven't been to the border. (laughs) I haven't been to Europe either. Huh? No, they've given her an opportunity to be consequential in this administration. She's just blown it. Because she is an empty-headed fool. Josh Crashauer, Axios, agrees with my assessment of our cackling nincompoop and vice president. Democrats are facing a double whammy because not only is Biden's age an issue, not just for Republicans, but for Democrats as well, but uh, the vice president has lower approval ratings and, and deep, deep disapproval ratings, uh, even worse than Biden's, if you look at the polling. Uh, I, I, I was struck, Dana, the fact that the Biden reelection campaign now used Kamala Harris quite a bit in that introductory video. I think they, as David was saying, they, they do realize that they're going to, they can't push her aside. They need to have a, a ticket together. They need to kind of figure out a way to utilize her most effectively because voters are concerned about Joe Biden's age and they're going to need to reassure voters, swing voters, that Kamala Harris is ready to serve as president if necessary in a second term. The problem with reassuring people is that every time you put Kamala out there in front of a microphone, She sounds like a person who, as I've said before, I forget who said it. This is brilliant. She sounds like a person giving a book report for a book she hasn't read. I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, Mm. to see the moment in time in Mm. which we exist and are present. Mm. 
and to be able to contextualize it, mm -hmm. to understand where we exist mm -hmm. in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. Now, lest you think I cherry-picked that from the vast array of Kamala sounding like a moron clips that I have at my disposal, that was yesterday. That was yesterday, uh, which prompted this response from Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire. It is so important at every moment in time <laughs> and at each individual moment in time, certainly this moment in time, but also the next moment in time and even the moment in time after the next moment in time, which precedes the moment in time after that. And through all these moments, moment after moment after moment, time after time, if you're lost, you can look and you will find me moment by moment <laughs> through all the moments. You know what? I just figured out Kamala Harris in every speech. She is Ben Stiller saying grace in Meet the Parents. That is so true. So true. If you don't believe me, here's what he's talking about. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I <laughs> said grace in many a dinner table. Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. <laughs> Yeah, she's laughing at all of us. She's laughing at all of us because she's one heartbeat, one halting heartbeat away from the presidency. Even though she went to a rotten law school, failed the bar the first time, slept her way to the top with Willie Brown, former San Francisco mayor, was rated the most radical senator in the U.S. Senate where Bernie Sanders was in the Senate at the same time. And now she's on the cusp of being president to the point that they're not even trying to hide her anymore by saying, oh, she's in the on-deck circle. And you can feel good about Joe Biden because look who's next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.